You're listening to Salty Believer Unscripted. This is Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. I'm Brian Catherman. This is part two of a conversation we had to split into two podcasts. Joining us from the Simeon Trust, we have Robert Kinney with us. Robert is the Director of Ministries over there at Charles Simeon Trust. Welcome, Robert. Hey, great to be with you guys again. Let's pick up the conversation. Uh, I just recently heard a podcast on a, a different podcast, and it was a, a, a I was going to use an adjective. I can't find the I can't find the right non-negative adjective. I don't want it to be negative because I really respect the guy. A, a very serious Presbyterian uh, and a Southern Baptist uh, that preaches in kind of the uh, black church style, having a great conversation mm-hmm. about preaching. And uh, and the question was posed, like, what do you think the strengths and weaknesses of of your circles of preaching compared to mine might be? Now, you're an Anglican guy, Josiah and I are both Baptists, right? Um, so I'd like to ask that same question maybe of us. But what was fascinating to me is they went to this example and, it, and they said, OK, so Jesus calms the storms, right? And and the first critique sort of in the in the over application Southern Baptist zone was that we jumped to the application so fast. And it's, you know, what are the storms in your life that Jesus calms? And what are the what are your, the storms in your finances? And, and without going to this is what's actually being taught in the text. And now we can bring that to application. And then the Presbyterians like, well, that's really true, because in, in my circles, you know, the application is you need to see the three doctrinal points that this proves that Jesus is God. Right. Like, And so they were kind of joking about the balance. But in that text, they could both go to those. I mean, you can kind of drive an argument. You can drive the persuasive point of that narrative text two totally different directions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my first question is going to be, how how do we, are they both, can they both be correct? Could one be preached? Here's my persuasive argument that this proves that Jesus is, you know, calms the storm and he is God and sovereign. And the other one is Jesus will, uh, bring his sovereignty into your life and your personal world. They're both similar, but the argument can kind of go two different ways. Are we? Are, do we have freedom in this? I guess is what I'm flexibility. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with you a little bit here. Uh, your question is, can they both be right? And my answer is going to be no. They're actually both wrong. Nice, nice. Um, so, so Good what thing I, I mean... didn't throw the two guys' names out there in that. <laughs> Yeah, well, I would probably be less uh, less direct about it if that were the case. Um, what I mean by that, so I, I assume we're talking about the stilling of the storm, like Mark four, that that yeah, kind yeah, of attacks. Yeah. That was just they were just having a chat. They threw that out sure. there, like kind of jokingly, but it was it was sure. interesting to think about. Yeah, well, so so where I'd want to press the Baptist guy is, I'm not sure you've actually gotten the text right. So if you if you read Mark four. There's a great storm, there's a great calm, and then there's a great fear that the disciples are actually more afraid after Jesus stills the storm than before. So the application of Jesus calms the storms of your life, think about the storms in your life and how Jesus is going to calm them, is actually a misapplication of the text. I, I don't I don't think that's what the text is actually trying to accomplish. It is trying to accomplish something closer to what the Presbyterians arguing, which is... Um, you know, the, the Mark four, at least ends with the question, who is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? So it is asking a question of Jesus as God, Mark's thesis from the beginning of the gospel. Jesus is the God who has control over the winds, the seas. And in chapter five, he's about to prove he has control over a lot more than that, uh, demons, disease, and death. 
Um, so, so, so there is a, a, a an identity of Jesus question that's going on in the wider context, which might lead you to a a doctrinal sermon on who Jesus is and his divinity. But I actually think that you need you need to get the text right. The disciples are more afraid after he calms the storm, and then preach the the reality of that that Jesus is somebody who needs to be feared. He needs we need to be actually in awe of him. We need to. Um, uh, bow in worship at the awesomeness of this Jesus who is God. So it's not a doctrinal sermon. It's a sermon that actually stirs the audience to, to wonder at the divinity and awesomeness and power of Jesus, who, who the reader of Mark's gospel is wondering, is this really God or not? Right? Is he really God? Um, and, and, and the implication of which is, if he actually is the God that he says he is, going back to chapter two, that means he can forgive sins going, right. going forward, right? Going all the way to the, to the end of the gospel. This, this passage actually helps you make sense of the resurrection narrative in Mark, because when, when they run away afraid, it's not because it, it, the, the, the use of fear there is actually tying you all the way back. To, so it's, it's um, that's what I mean. I, 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 think, I think you actually need to get the text right, not just apply what, whatever you think is going on there, but you need well, to do so, do so in oh, a way no, that actually yeah, stirs people, that actually grabs their hearts. So the good news is, so the interview was, and I didn't share the whole story with you, I kind of set you up, sure. but okay. the interview is Kevin DeYoung, the Presbyterian, and H.B. Charles, and, uh, and they were critiquing the problems in their own circles, mm -hmm. and the answer to their problems were, we need to really understand and preach the text correctly and then bring it to right application and so the, so the one side was saying that the shortcomings in our circles are we jump too quickly to application and we don't spend time in the text and, and then, then it's the, untethered from the point of the passage right and that was what hb charles was like this is the shortcoming in my circles and then kevin DeYoung was saying the shortcoming in my circles is we spend so much time doctorally anchored when we get to the end we're like oh hopefully that helps you out you know and then there's no personal drive and he's like we could probably find a better balance that's what they're they're both really arguing yeah. the same point but i want to yeah, ask and, you that i'll go ahead so well, so, so, so I, th I think they're both right then yeah well yeah but i just wanted i set up their their shortcomings as <clears throat> as these are the problems but let me ask you the same question i mean we, mm -hmm. uh you know what are the what are the strengths in your anglic i mean and by the way i mean you're halfway around the globe right now i mean mm -hmm. right you're, you're in austria right which is mm -hmm. awesome totally different i mean way out there in time zone what so in your maybe in your context or maybe just in your Anglican circles, what would you think maybe is the the real strengths in those circles with preaching that maybe some others could learn from? Or maybe what are some maybe what are some weaknesses in your circles that maybe we could drive into more? I mean, I'd be happy to share what we think in our own Baptist circles too, but uh, I'm just curious. Uh, so so that's a really hard question uh in this sense, in that there's the the anglican circles are so diverse um have you seen it, the southern baptist circles yeah <laughs> Sorry, right ahead. right well no i just like so if by my anglican circles you mean the anglican churches here in austria well we're the only anglican church in austria so whatever oh, the wow. faults are they're mine wow um <laughs> uh so so I, I would say sort of two ends of the spectrum. So the strengths of good Anglican preaching. So 
if you think historic Anglican preaching, like um, John Stott or uh, Dick Lucas, who's uh, who's actually still alive and and a phenomenal preacher, uh, or or a lot of the the kind of London evangelical uh, Anglicans or the Australian evangelical Anglicans, um, the the strengths are on the side of um, getting the text right, like really careful, thoughtful text work, um, high, high value on biblical theology. So gospel connections are always present and thoughtful. I mean, it's actually the, the Aussie Anglicans who really in a lot of ways started the, the advent of biblical theology in the last you know 50 years. Uh, guys like Graham Goldsworthy, Broughton Knox, et cetera. Um, Less so on the, the persuasive side, because both Aussie and British Anglicans will tend to be understated culturally. So they're, they're, they're not going to um, probably be as strong on the thoughtfulness of, of rhetoric and, and presentation and persuasion as I would hope and am personally trying to work toward. Weaknesses I mean, most of the rest of Anglican preaching is both untethered from the text and uninteresting. So it's it's a, a dumpster fire. So, I mean, I, I listen, I mean, I told you I listen to a lot of sermons. Dick mm -hmm. Lucas is definitely high on the list. And it's kind of cool when you go back to like the 90s, you know, and, and catch some of that. I try to oh, not yeah. to listen to stuff that's happening right today. I try to like, okay, let's just see. Um, and I mean, who... If you haven't listened to like the John Stott podcast that are like the hundred, the centennial year radio program or whatever it is, it's on the podcast stuff that's out there. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed something else. So both of those, those two preachers seem to me to be very timeless, right? They just sort of supersede time. And it, you think that's partly because they're just really heavily anchored into the tech. To draw a contrast, if you go to like Martin Lloyd Jones, there are times when, like his his preaching seems to be speaking immediately to the moments of that day. At times, he seems less timeless than like John Stott. Mm -hmm. um, just you know, like when he's preaching during these war years, you're like, okay, I get where all this is, but I don't even know half the time the context that John Stott was preaching in, and it's still very helpful, meaningful. Maybe a little less. I mean, he's still very persuasive, but I don't feel that persuasiveness as much sometimes um, with him. Dick Lucas is more persuasive, I think. That's just my mm -hmm. opinion. But um, he, is Anglican, well, you just said most of Anglican preaching is a dumpster fire. But uh, yeah. in the strengths of Anglican preaching, does that tend to lead to a very timeless? Um, uh, I, I don't know if that's particular to Anglicans so much as it is particular to those two guys. And, and, I, and I shouldn't presume to speak for John Stott. I, I think I can speak a little bit more for the, the Proc Trust Dick Lucas world because I know those guys pretty well. I think it comes more out of a conviction. This is an important nuance. It comes out of a conviction that the text itself is relevant. And so they don't feel a pressure to be relevant. Right. Which I don't the same have thing at Charles Simeon Trust. I mean, that's a really big yeah. deal there. Right. Well, and, and it's a shared conviction. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't feel a pressure to be relevant because I know the text is. And, and that allows me to speak about the text and actually to try to accomplish what the text is trying to accomplish in my preaching in a way that may speak to the issues of my day. And so I may mention, you know, 
the pandemic, or I may mention the war in Ukraine or, or whatever's going on in the news today, I may mention that, but the truth I'm bringing to bear is the truth that's been in that text for a couple thousand years. And so I know it's relevant. I don't have to, I don't have to present myself as relevant. And I, and I think that's, that, that gives Lucas in particular, a kind of timeless quality. Right. Right. Well, um, I totally, I think we're, Josiah, you haven't even, are we out of time? Are we okay? I was about to like <laughs> say something, but yeah, we're getting, these podcasts are always so great. We always go just a little bit over. So that's fine. We're probably going to have to have you on again. I'm not, I'll, I'll hang out with you guys anytime. Well, so here's, go ahead, Josiah. But no, I was just going to ask Robert, any closing thoughts just on persuasion or persuasion and preaching? If someone is trying to kind of make that switch and kind of really grow in that area, do you have any great resources? Obviously the Simeon Trust, I imagine there's an online workshop with your name on it there somewhere, but. Okay, hold the thought for one sec. I like the closing thought. I mean, that's a, that. This is the interview problem. I'm like, well, I'm not, we're not done. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, I realize we're out of time, but I I just want to throw out there uh, that you are working in some circles, working on a book in the area of persuasion. It's. I mean, do you feel? First of all, I'm really excited about that because there's so little on the topic, generally speaking, in Christian circles and in preaching circles. You can find that in other rhetoric, other discussion. You don't find it as frequently in these circles. How's that going? I mean, how can we specifically be praying? You know, I want to see this thing come to fruition on the shelf. I want to interview you about it. I hope you'll remember me and we'll get an advanced copy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Just pray for the uh, energy and time in particular to to get it done. Um, The urgent are crowding is, is constantly crowding out the important so yeah. uh the nature of our work and and particularly because almost everybody at the simian trust is is working for the simian trust in some capacity but also working in their churches in some capacity and you know what the last few years has been like in churches so it's right. uh it's 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 unfortunately fallen to the back burner too often because there's there's real pressing needs both in the church and at the trust to 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 accomplish other things so time and energy to get it done would be the prayer request uh to to answer your question joe and and this and it's and it's related um work at it i i mean how, you're asking a question, you know, what, what advice would I, and I'm saying work at it, put the time into it. Sure. Uh, and I, and I know that's a kind of cop-out answer, but honestly, the last three, four years, that's where my sermon prep has focused. Um, if, if you, if you asked me about my sermon prep week five, six years ago, I would have told you that I spend the overwhelming majority of my time in exegesis and a bit of time in theological reflection and almost no time thinking about uh, the, 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 the presentation of the sermon, the, the persuasion, the homiletics. And, and if you look at my sermon manuscripts from five, six years ago, and you know, I'm now praying that nobody ever finds them, um, <laughs> you're not going to see an argument. You're not going to see a homiletical outline you're not even really going to see most of the time illustration or, or adornment of any sort. And, 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 and what you'll find maybe 
a faithful running commentary on the text, but it's it wasn't persuade. I'm not persuaded by it, and I was writing it. Like it's not. <laughs> it's it's so uninspired as to be shameful. And 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 the last you know five years, I've been working hard at it. And and maybe this is bad advice, but I I make the move to make sure that I spend um the full day Friday, even if, even if I, if I'm not as comfortable as I'd like to be with my exegesis, even if I'm not as comfortable as I'd like to be with my gospel connection, I just lock it in because I want to make sure I have, you know, the five, six, seven hours I'm, I have on Fridays to write a sermon that is effective. Um, and, and, and I've gotten better at exegesis over time. So it actually takes me less time. I also have the advantage of preaching on a lectionary. So I'm oftentimes visiting texts that I've, I've preached three years ago. So I've, I've got a, I've got a few things that I can personally do, but I guess my point is uh, make sure you actually take the time to think about the argument, the phrasing, the homiletical outline, uh, the, the, the adornments you're going to use, why you're going to use them. Uh, if it's merely to entertain, don't do it. Um, and you know, have me, have me back on, let's talk about adornment sometime. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but make sure you take the time to, to actually put into it. Do not buy into the, you know, I'll just wing it philosophy. <laughs> well, I like how you started this. We're all persuading somebody of something. And so if you, uh, wing it long enough, you're persuading people that you don't have the, either the time blocked out or you don't have the concern for it eventually that'll all bite you badly yeah well i want to i want to persuade people of the text i don't want to persuade them that i don't know what i'm doing right right or that you can wing it well and shoot from the hip like an expert like you don't <laughs> want that either no no awesome hey. well this has been helpful Anything else from you, Brian, before we go? I'm just, hey, how do we, uh, so first of all, I just want to encourage, if you cannot go to the Chicago course, which most of us can't because life, uh, if you if you can get to a workshop, um, the closest workshop to us just recently passed and I couldn't fit into my schedule. So now I'm just watching for the workshop schedule. Um, people keep saying, hey, what, what do you want to, how can we get a workshop into our area? And then I have the exact same thing you just said, like, oh, but we, church work busy okay we got to think through all that um but those those online courses have been helpful for me i just want to encourage that people go to the charles simeon trust you can hear a lot more from robert kenny in those courses for sure uh, and it's really good material it's really really helpful stuff uh, and then let's just make sure we get all the other information out there the website of that charles simeon trust.org is that right simeon trust.org simeon trust.org yeah simeon trust.org uh, is that the best place to get in touch with you Robert, how would we how would we uh, connect with you if someone wanted to ask more questions or find you? Sure, yeah. Uh, on the about page, there are uh, staff profiles, and all of our email addresses are connected to our staff profiles. But if you want to email me, just email jmeeks at simeontrust.org. and that, that's how they can <laughs> and they can contact Jeremy and get copies of your old manuscripts, preaching and stuff. No, no, please no. <laughs> Okay, one more thing, which is crazy because yeah, my, my email address is actually R. Kinney, Just it, it's all good. I know that was, right. <laughs> we just had Jeremy on too, so that's funny. Um, and then you're in Austria, and you're the only Anglican church 
in your in, in your area for miles. And so what's the name of the church? And if someone's in that area and they're listening to this, which would be awesome. If someone in Austria is listening, we'd love to hear from them. But how can they find you or visit you or at the, what, what's the church? Uh, it is. Well, so actually there there are two Anglican churches, both here in Vienna, about five blocks blocks from, apart from each other. Uh, ours is Christ Church. Uh, it's ChristChurchVienna.org. Christ Church and, Vienna. Awesome. Uh, awesome. We're across the street from the British Embassy. So Whoa, very, fancy. very easy to find. <laughs> That's great. All right, Joe, take us out. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Robert, for taking the time. Uh, if you want to check out more about persuasive preaching, you can go to simeontrust.org. Or if you have questions for us, you can go to saltybeliever.com and fill out that comment page there on our website. Hopefully, hopefully, listening to this podcast, you've been persuaded to invest the time and to work on your preaching more. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com.